welcome to this week's live Master Instructor Roundtable. I am Wendy Batts with my friend and co-host, Marty Miller. Marty, how are you? Fabulous as always, Wendy. Oh, I am excited about this week's topic because we're talking that everyone is an athlete. And I know this rings at near and dear to both of our hearts because we say this all the time. Um, but I know that you have a specific story and one of the reasons why uh, we wanted to talk about this topic today. Yeah, I clearly remember where I was at, who I was talking to when this phrase first came out of my mouth. So, you know, as you know, and a lot of my clients do in the past, I worked in professional sports and one day I'm training a great client named Jay. Jay was working out for about a year with me and we've gone through all the progressions. He turns to me one day and goes, Marty, how do you train us or me differently than the elite athletes you've trained? I said, I didn't. And we just kept going. And he's like, Marty, I get it. I'm an older guy out of shape, you know, private country club. You don't have to be nice to me. Be brutally honest. And I said, Jay, my sincere apologies. I said, this is on me, my fault. I said, I don't train you any different. You have the same muscles, same bones, same central nervous system, same ability to move in planes of motion. I can get you better at your stamina or your endurance, your strength, your power. The only difference will be your abilities within those capacities. But every single person, and we've seen the research that people in their 80s that have never worked out, can build muscle, they can become stronger, they can become more powerful. I, you know, and I told them the scientific principles that I'm training you with are going to be the same as an elite athlete, but I just have to tweak it in that perspective of where are you at with your ability within this capacity, nothing else changes. And you can see he got like all excited all of a sudden he's like, Oh, I am an athlete. And I think from there on out, he was more understanding that I had a true training program for him, not just, okay, what are we doing today? Yeah. And I think oftentimes we take, you know, we think of athletes, we automatically just assume these professional athletes at the highest level, but we have to start looking at our youth. We have to look at, you know, the, the clients that walk in the door because they are the weekend warriors. There are people that are starting to get more and more excited about fitness. And so we really need to think, as you said, everybody has the same make makeup, meaning like you said, bones and joints and, and muscles. It's just, you know, where are they starting? And I think, you know, we've said this from the beginning, the assessments are really, really important because even when we have these professional athletes that come back to us after the season, they're really broken down. You know, the repetitiveness, the, the, the you know, the same movement patterns that they're doing throughout their sport. If they're not training correctly during the end season, when we get them in the off season, we have a lot of work to do. Same thing goes for someone that's, you know, doing carpentry or someone that's, you know, using, you know, a, like a hammer, a same hand, same movements, you know, over and over and over again, that repetitive use is going to cause dysfunction in, you know, the shoulder area and shoulder region along with other places. And so you want to open your mind when we say this and, you know, maybe calling your, your clients athletes is something that you can start to do because it really does something kind of changes the mentality of them having that mamba, the mamba thought process, um, or it doesn't in, in my world anyway. There you go. No, no doubt. And I think that also it, when you can understand the model and how each phase works for an athlete, you can tie that back into what you're trying to do with them. And it also helps them realize, okay, I do have to do my phone rolling or my self myofascial techniques. I do have to do static for this phase because they understand that this model has a very unique and distinct purpose on improving human performance it's just where they're going to fall in that spectrum of performance but everybody wants to improve that and, and be healthier and why not aspire to be more athletic as best you can be 
Absolutely. So why don't we look at what we're going to talk about, even though we've been talking about it now right. for a few minutes. So we're really going to see how your clients perceive themselves when you start talking to them and building the rapport. You know, if you have clients that kind of drag in every day, you know, hype them up, get excited, let them know today we're going to train you like an athlete. You may freak them out a little bit. They're going to think you're going to have them do burpees and all this random stuff that is not the case. But again, it can change their mindset or mindset. And and as you said, Marty, science is science. You know, we we bleed the NASM blue for a reason. We like to know that there is research behind what we're doing, the programs that we're writing. And I think it's important to really think about capacities versus abilities. You know, what is someone able to do? What should they be able to do? And what is their capacity to do it? You know, if someone's never ran. I'm not going to tell them to go run a 10K and let's see what they're you know, what they, what they time at when I know that they're not built for that at this moment, even though that might be their goal. Right. And, you know, even if somebody can't run, that doesn't mean they can't improve, you know, with their, within that ability, they can improve their ability within the capacity of cardiovascular fitness. They may only walk, maybe, you know, they walk from five minutes to 10 minutes, from 10 minutes to 20 minutes, they start to walk uphill, whatever the case may be, but they're still improving their capacity of endurance, right? So again, it's just on that spectrum. Yes. <laughs> Glad you agree. Yes. Well, you know what? Here we go. Remember where the OPT model came from. If you listen to us every week, this is going to be like, oh, I know everything about it. But, you know, originally when, when we were utilizing and beginning using the model, if you look back of the creator and, and the purpose of it, it was really, he was working mainly with elite athletes and it was all of this random stuff you know, that was out there and he wanted a system. He wanted something because we wanted to be able to talk the same talk. If I had a client that came in or a professional athlete, and then I gave it to Marty, I wanted to be able to talk to Marty intellectually and say, Hey, on this programming, I have them in this particular phase for this reason, and then have something, you know, to show why I'm doing what I'm doing. So therefore my client doesn't miss a beat because I might be out of town. Well, the thing too, and, and I think one of the reasons why my clients stay with me, what seems like forever, isn't because they can't do it on their own. It's because they trust in me and they trust in my knowledge and they believe in the system that I use because I don't just make up exercises out of a magazine, you know, read something one week and then come in and try to incorporate all this craziness. I actually say, hey, yes, I am going to have you stand on this particular object on one foot doing this particular thing. But we've been on the floor for multiple, you know, a long time. You've got good arch alignment and stability. I need to challenge that in a most unstable platform that, that's controlled. And if you, you know, don't own it yet, then it's just too advanced. We might try something else. So I do become creative. I don't have them do the same things, but I'm still following certain acute variables, such as the tempo, the, the you know, the amount of reps that they're doing sets. And this has been the gold standard for the fitness industry for over 20 years. And so this isn't something that's like some fad. This isn't a trend. This is an actual system that's here to stay because it works. Right. One, two, two things. One, we know it's an evidence-based methodology, comma, you're definitely dating yourself. You said look in a magazine for um, exercises. It's now Instagram. Oh, Social my media. bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, remember when the magazine... which I just had, I had my boss ask me, you know, right. Hey, do you check out my Insta page? I'm like, the Insta well, page. Hey, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you. So I remember waiting for the beginning of the month where the new magazine came out. So I was like, Oh my God, she used that reference. So I had uh, work out of the week or work out of the day or whatever it is. Um, now it's, you know, now it's uh, social media, but we're, yes. I understood completely what you meant. 
Well, and I think it's important to re remind ourselves that not one size fits all. When you're designing a program, you don't want to have a program for the day um, unless every single client that came in had exactly the same compensations and they're exactly starting the program at the same time. Um, plus, I mean, if you're doing the same thing over and over again um, with your same, you know, different clients that are coming in, how bored are you going to be throughout that day? And how much excitement do you have within that programming? And to me, it's little like I need to change it up. I need to, to do things. But I also want to make sure that it's appropriate. Not it's not about me, but it's appropriate for my clients. And it just makes it more fun. Um, and it and I don't mind working long hours when I do that. Very good. Just saying. Well said. <laughs> so here, Wendy, when we put this together, we just want to kind of give um an idea to everybody, like when we talk about physiological capacities, there's many, right? This slide covers a lot of them, right? So physical capacities were refer to the body's physiological functions within the body. So clearly from a scope of practice, from a fitness professional, we know we can go after the muscular system, which in turn will affect the central nervous system or vice versa. And then the cardiovascular system. But think of when you look at the systems in the body or physiological capacities, there's many, but we know exercise has a lot of positive um, impact on all the body's different capacities. But going back to the model, we're going to talk about how we can improve muscular endurance, strength within the different blocks, power, and then of course, cardiovascular. But then we also have part of that, don't forget within that model, is obviously mobility, range of motion, neuromuscular control, all of those different things. So we know our scope of practice, but remember, there are a lot of different physiological capacities within the body. Yes. And another reason why the assessments are so important, because if you have a starting point, especially when you're starting to think about someone's lung capacity, like where are they, you know, when you're going through the different, um, the different tests, all of that can be really good information. Plus, remember, when you reassess your clients, you can also show the positive gains that they have, because if they are only looking at the scale, and we've seen this a lot on our Facebook page, sometimes they're not seeing those results immediately, and people want instant gratification. We all do. And so if I don't see the needle moving and I feel like I'm, you know, on a very strict, very healthy, but strict diet, I'm looking at my calories, I'm watching what I'm eating, I'm decreasing my sugar intake, and I'm not seeing the changes, then I would get frustrated. However, if my clothes fit better, I did circumference measurements and different things like that. I see that the positives behind it, if I could barely walk a mile, but now I can kind of jog a mile, then I can see that there's gains there. So just know too, that when we bring all that up, you want to make sure you have a really good starting point. So therefore, when you're building your programs, it is progressive and you're not starting, to, you know, starting them too fast because they want to start at a higher level. Sometimes what somebody wants and some, something that somebody needs might be different. And it's a, a very, very important that you talk about the approach that you're going to take and why. And that's why Marty and I always go back to the rationales and having, you know, specific information of why we do what we do when we do it. So therefore the, the client can also feel engaged and understand the programming. Yep. And for those of you just joining in today on the master instructor Roundtable, Marty Miller here with Wendy Batts. And we're talking about the concept of everybody's an athlete and how you can frame that to your clientele, use the evidence-based OPT model to get them to maybe look at their training a little bit differently and maybe get them a little excited at the same time. So yes. when here we had to define abilities, right? Just, you know, we're talking, we've talked about abilities, 
and capacity. So ability, you know, you got the, the definition there, union of native processes and humans and content inferred from relative permanent changes in behavior. And then there's two different types of abilities. We've got the cognitive and psychomotor. So I'm going to score some brownie points here. So if you look at cognitive, think about Peyton Manning back in his heyday. Atta boy. <laughs> how he could look at the field and anticipate what was going to happen. He had a knowledge of the game. He had the mental skills to then give his physical ability the best opportunity, right? So you've got the manual and physical skills. Now I'm going to take a hit here. He was not the greatest athlete in the world physically, but because of the cognitive abilities, he was able to offset that. We know Peyton Manning was not the fastest, fleetest of foot, but because he was a Tennessee grad, I had to throw that story in there to get at least some brownie points from Miss Bats. Yes. And you know what? Peyton Manning is still one of the best athletes and in my opinion my opinion so again this is live so i'm waiting for the comments he's my goat okay mine <laughs> so i know other people might have yours. other goats in the world and all to yet but you know what at least he is and he still stands the test of time so and all you guys have to realize i know how to get brownie points with wendy yes. indeed you do marty indeed you do so next you'll sing Rocky Top and it'll just completely make my day. So <laughs> might not make our people watching's day. You may enjoy, but maybe next time. Uh, well, you know, Marty and I, again, we, you know, we, we go through the NASM Facebook page. And if you are new to NASM, you're new to our podcast, we want to say welcome. If you have comments, please, please put them in the comment board so Marty and I can make sure that we answer them to the best of our abilities. But oftentimes, you know, when you're thinking about this diagram here, one of the things that you, you know, some of the questions that we might get are, for those of you that train athletes, you know, do you have any obstacles or what are the obstacles? And I think for myself, going back and still working with, with athletes, I don't have as many obstacles as people might think. You know, people think that when somebody comes in, that if they are a high endurance athlete, that they immediately have to go into power if they don't feel like they're getting crushed, moving fast, explosive, that that train or that um, athlete is going to leave you. It's actually the absolute different, you know, difference. When they come in, I do an assessment. I point out some of the things that I see that isn't as ideal as it could be. And I say, listen, we're going to relax this area. We need to strengthen this area. We need to realign your hips a little bit because I've noticed when you're squatting, you're doing this or your foot's turning out here and you're decreasing your power output. And so my job is to fix what's broken and you need to work with me and actually take it upon yourself to do things at home. And I explain what those are, but you have to trust me. And I, I never, I mean, I, I get people that are starting to come back. I mean, even when they're coming home for, you know, an off, off weekend, um, they are wanting to get on my schedule because I do make that impact and they trust me. And so it's one of those things, again, being able to explain what we're doing and then, you know, embracing it and then being very precise in movement. If someone does a lateral tube walk and they look like a teapot, wrong. If their foot turns out, wrong. If their knee caves in, wrong. So again, very specific movement patterns and quality of what you're doing is going to make all the difference in the world. And looking at this little diagram on the right, you know, these are all those physical abilities that people should hopefully have some of or maybe, you know, you got some people that are just freak athletes, whatever you tell them to do, they can do it. Right. And some people only trained in one of these. And then I view this as a wheel, right? You don't want a wheel that's not round. It's kind of hard to get things rolling. Right. 
So I'm working on certain mobility or flexibility in certain areas. Maybe I've got the strength, you know, precision would be your ability to move in space and control things and same thing with agility. So this, but the good news is all this is built into the OPT model. If you're following when we say to put in speed, agility, quickness, when we tell you to put in balance, when we tell you to put in all of those things. So just really definitely uh, kind of validates why the OPT model was created the way it was and how brilliant it is in making sure that everyone can progress through all their different needs. But Marty, here's a question that I get all the time and you didn't put it in the comments guys, but I'm just going to go ahead and, and ask Marty the question that I get all the time, all capital A-L-L, all the time. How do you get it all in or all done in an hour? Very simple, follow the model. <laughs> and I know that's an easy answer, right? But if you really are very specific in your training and really understand, now let's assume, get, let's give people a, a, a curve, right? Maybe a week, two weeks, even a month for some people. You're going to teach them how to do their self-myofascial techniques. You're going to teach them how to do their static or active or dynamic stretching, depending where that. You may give them part of the warm-up for their core activation and things like that. But if you're really specific with your work-to-rest ratios and your time under tensions, it's easy to get it done in an hour. Now, there's not a lot of time to lollygag and talk and, you know, talk. I'm sure Wendy talks about The Bachelor or Chicago Fire, whatever show is popular for her. I know Chicago Fire is. But I did not watch The Bachelor, y'all. <laughs> that's why I threw it in there. But definitely, you're not going to deny Chicago Fire, Chicago everything. That's well, have you seen the people in Chicago Fire? I'm just no, I have not. So I'm going to get back on topic. But there's no time for lollygagging. If you're there to work, no matter what phase, you can get in in an hour. Now, the first couple of weeks while you're teaching people form and technique and cueing and how you speak to them, that's fine. That You're gradually getting them into it. But my clients knew exactly what to do when they walked in. They knew exactly when I snapped my fingers, 5Ks, you know, give them some cueing, boom, and off we go. So it's very, very easy to get it in in an hour. Yes, and I, I will second that, that it's important to, in the beginning, that they understand your terminology and your cueing. And so when we're teaching someone the five kinetic chain checkpoints, I usually just teach it once. Hey, when I say your feet are turning out, like look at what they're doing right now. To me, that's turned out. Even if it's slight, I want you to bring your toes in. So when I say bring your toes in, I mean this. Or when I, I see an arch in your lower back, if I tell you that I want you to tuck your butt under a little bit, so tuck, tuck your tail, this is what I mean. If your head's forward, this is what I mean when I tell you to double chin. It's important to put those cues out in, in the beginning. If not, it really does make your sessions afterwards so much harder. But that alignment really is going to help build their athletic ability, whether it's just moving faster, moving faster with speed or lifting more. So, you know, when we're talking about an athlete, there's so many different variations of athletes. And so we really want to focus on, you know, like you said, cueing and not talking to them about your, your business. It's all about keeping them moving. And if they are really doing the, the four, two, one tempo in phase one, and you're going in a vertical load, meaning one after another, after another, after another, and then having them take a small break, grab water and repeat, there's no reason why people can't get it all in, including speed, agility, and quickness. And I'm the first to say, I do this all the time. I do this daily. So I know that it works. I know it can be done. And they keep coming back for more. They don't care about my weekend. They care about their goals. And I care about their goals because they keep paying me. So it is a win-win all around. Agreed. So 
Now here's the thing, research, right? So just, you know, anything we do with NASM, we're got to have that research. So clearly the model has been researched for over 20 years. If you have the text, go to your references. Obviously you're going to have tons and tons of research and we continue to pour into investigating even more. But a couple of things here that really matter. And again, why you want to treat everyone like an athlete and continue people through the model as they go through their lifespan. Both men and women start losing muscle mass as they age. We all know that. Most people see their muscle mass diminish around three to 5% per decade after 30. Now we all know how healthy muscle tissue is and what that does for metabolism and all these other things. So this is critical. So we can't skip phases of training. Other things here, exercise interventions that include muscle power training should be prescribed to elderly individuals in order to improve their overall physical status of this population and prevent disability. So think about a senior somebody in their 60s, 70s and above, God forbid, if they trip and fall, they better be able to decelerate weight very rapidly. If they can't, they're going to really get injured. So that's why even training your seniors into power, but also the balance. So maybe they don't even fall. That's why this model, again, treats those seniors like an athlete, even though this was designed for elite athletes, it's so important for everybody. And then based on the results found, the combination of strength and endurance training, so that concurrent training, which we have here in the model, performed at moderate volume and moderate to high intensity in an elderly population is the most effective way to improve both neuromuscular and cardiorespiratory function. So how can you go wrong? That's true. And, you know, for anyone that's new, I think it's important to, to realize, too, that there are going to be some modifications that you're going to have to make. And, you know, I, do I train elderly clients um, in power? I absolutely do. I actually wrote the senior course, like the chapter about program design for active older adults, because it's very important. I mean, not just for the statistical reasons of, you know, bone density and muscle mass, but activities of daily living. People have to move at faster speeds at different times, especially times that they may not be prepared for because it's, you know, all of a sudden they're walking, you know, across the street, the lights turning yellow, they thought they had more time and they have to hurry across and then hop up over a curb. Um, there are so many different reasons to train power. But if you look at phase five and you look at the power, you know, phase, then you're going to see a, a superset. So two exercises back to back mimicking the same muscle group. And if you have an elderly person, the one rep, you know, when you're looking at the strength, it's one to five repetitions. So basically a one rep max. And then after that, you're going to go to explosive exercises um, for a longer period back to back. You are not probably going to have your elderly client do a one rep max. That's probably not what their goal is. However, you want them to lift a heavy load for a shorter amount of reps and then have them do some explosive med ball work. It may not be the actual percentage of 10% body weight. Um, of a med ball throw, it may be something a lot lighter. It may even just be a ball that has no weight, but they have to learn to release and catch it at a different, you know, as fast as they possibly can. So you have to be creative. You have to think of what's safety first, no matter what the client's their age is or their weight. But it's very sure that the program fits your client. And if you have to take that model and change the variations and rep ranges or or something like that and power for safety, then by all means, please make sure that you do that. And I say that because Marty and I are like, follow the model, follow the acute variables to the T and that's the only way they're gonna hit their goal. Well, yes, if they are young, they're healthy, they have that ability, 
But if you know you have a, an elderly person that's a little more frail and that you're trying to build that power production and they have quote earned the right to be in power, then you have to start a little bit lighter and then maybe work up to heavier loads and faster, you know, faster pace movements. Yeah, no, it makes total Just sense. To yeah, learn the model and then learn to make it your own within the boundaries of following the science. Yes. And you guys, remember, we are live here today on the Master Instructor Roundtable with Marty Miller and myself. And if you have questions, please be sure to put them in the comments because we want to make sure before the end of our podcast that we get as many questions answered as possible. Yeah, so Wendy, you know, when you and I learned this model, we learned the whole continuum at once where it was corrective exercise, then through what we would call the PES. But at the end of the day, there's still, you know, you whether you take the CPT first and get the CES and then your PES, I would highly recommend that because you do want all seven phases, but they're both of these here are continuums, right? Evidence-based systems on how to progress people. So if we start with the model, which Wendy did, which she already talked about, we've got to get people to move well first in stabilization endurance. Then you have at least one choice in strength under strength endurance, which is that superset. Muscular development and max strength is going to be kind of depending on the client, but don't be surprised if people want to do that. And then we have power. But underneath holding all that up, in a sense, is our corrective exercise continuum where we identify movement dysfunction, we inhibit and lengthen overactive tissue, and then we activate and integrate underactive tissue to get people back to the closest to kind of equilibrium, in a sense, so they're moving as best as possible. So then as you pour into them, as they move up the model, you're getting the best activation and the best you know, five kinetic chain checkpoints. So there's less stress on the joints. And now people can actually engage in more higher intensity for them exercise because they're moving as best as possible. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember, you know, Marty and I have done previous podcasts about, you know, integrating like the corrective exercise components. So making sure that you're, you're, you know, foam rolling or using percussion devices on the overactive tissue, like you said, and then you know, activating the underactive side. If you go into integration, what we're trying to do is get the the upper and the body, your upper body and lower body to play together and retrain the brain on how to utilize that newfound movement pattern and and better range of motion throughout that joint. That can be taken off of like you know the beginning portions of phase one, if you will, because phase one you start with foam rolling, check you did that and inhibit. You start with, you know, lengthening check. You did that in flexibility. So static stretching activation is like your core and activation. If you look at the template and then integration is your total body before you get into the body parts. So it, it is a continuum within the template even. So don't necessarily look at it as it's this and then that it should be. This is an like an integrated model that's utilizing every component that's in the best interest of someone's movement pattern to make sure that they're going to be able to be more efficient. Remember, when we talk about neuromuscular efficiency, it's getting the right muscle to fire at the right time and the right plane of motion. So if you add some corrective exercise before the resistance part in any of these phases, it's going to enhance that movement pattern altogether. Very well said. And that's why you and I fell in love with this model and use it every single day. Every day. Maybe even twice, right? So some examples here. So you know, because I'm so comfortable with Technogym's equipment, the skill mill is a motorized, or I'm sorry, non-motorized treadmill. So you are the motor, you're the brakes. Some people walk, that's what they can control. Some people will do high-end sprints. Again, so you've got a walk to a sprint, totally, totally fine. Then you'll see here, we've got someone doing an explosive med ball throw. 
and then somebody just doing a band speed press. But all of those are still working on the same capacities, just one person's walking, one's sprinting, one's doing an explosive med ball throw, one's doing a speed band press. But at least they're working that capacity within their physical abilities. Yes. See, that was easy. That was easy. So the key takeaways, again, before we end, guys, if you have comments, please, please let Marty Miller and I, myself, Wendy Batts, know because everyone is an athlete. If you don't believe us, you have questions about it, stick it in the comments. Let us know. But, you know, our key takeaways is, is truly that everyone is an athlete. And you know what? You want to treat your clients no matter what age they are, especially if you have if you work with seniors and you call them an athlete, you're going to watch just the smile on their face because they think it's cute. They think it's funny. But then you can explain to them everything that Marty and I talked about in the very beginning. Uh, the model is your friend or models if you're going to actually include the corrective exercise um, spectrum and continuum, which you absolutely should. And again, you now think about someone's capability of doing things, the capacity of their body to be able and their organs to be able to handle whatever demand you're placing on it. But always make sure to look at the five kinetic chain checkpoints. It's quality over quantity and just choose the exercises that are going to challenge a client, but then also make sure that it makes sense and it's safe. Yeah, I mean, I know it's simple, but the key thing is to know that model and understand where it came from and then create your mindset around how to tell your stories. So that way, all your clients truly understand what you're doing, why you're doing it, and then you're going to get a ton of buy-in. Buy-in's everything. <laughs> So if you have questions, guys, feel free to email me at wendy.bats at nasm.org, or you can find me on Instagram at wendy.bats13. And then my information's popping up immediately. Our producer's on it. dr.martymiller72 for Instagram, and then marty.miller at nasm.org. So Wendy, as always, great job. Hopefully, I think that uh, we put out some good information where people can kind of look at the model a little differently. And we cannot thank you enough for joining us today. And as always, we look forward to seeing you on next week's Master Instructor Roundtable.